Have you ever heard of HeLa cells? They've been around for more than 60 years, but unless you're a medical researcher, the name probably isn't familiar. So what is a HeLa cell? Well, it's the first line of human cells to survive in vitro or in a test tube. They're named after Henrietta Lacks, a cancer patient who died in 1951, whose cells were taken from tissue samples and grown by a researcher named George Gay. Dr. Gay quickly realized that some of Lacks' cells were different from normal cells. So what's so special about these HeLa cells? Well, unlike normal populations of human cells, which divide about 40 to 50 times before dying away, HeLa cells have the remarkable ability to divide indefinitely. This is why they have the distinction of being the first immortal cell line cultured by scientists. After more than 50 years, there are now billions and billions of HeLa cells in laboratories all over the world. It's the most commonly used cell line and it's known to be extremely resilient. HeLa cells are used in all kinds of ways, such as studying the effects of diseases and developing medications and vaccines, and they've played an invaluable role in medicine today. Notably, they've aided Jonas Salk in developing the polio vaccine, as well as other significant contributions like developing standard lab practices, cell cloning, in vitro fertilization, the isolation of stem cells, as well as to research AIDS, cancer, and the effects of radiation and toxic substances, among other things. The fact that HeLa cells have been used in some very important, groundbreaking medical research is interesting enough, but there's another part of the story. Henrietta Lacks had no idea that her cells were taken and used in this way, and neither did her family. And while the cells became commercialized, Lacks' family has lived without healthcare and in poverty. Henrietta Lacks' story isn't just about her contribution to medical research, it's about the ethics of biomedical research and the practice of informed consent. But let's start at the beginning with Henrietta herself. Described as a strong but caring woman, Henrietta kept her growing family of five children together while her husband worked at a steel mill. She was no stranger to hard work after growing up with her grandfather on a tobacco farm in Virginia. At age 31, she was worried about a knot that she felt in her abdomen, so she made the 20-mile trip to Johns Hopkins Hospital, which at the time was the only option in the area for African Americans seeking medical treatment. She was diagnosed with cervical cancer, and extensive treatment ensued, which began by inserting tubes of radium into her cervix to reduce the tumor, followed by daily x-ray therapy. Despite the debilitating treatments, Henrietta's commitment to her family never wavered, and she was able to keep her condition secret from most family members in order to spare them the worry. Her cancer proved to be too resilient, however, and began to weaken both body and spirit. Tumors overcame nearly all the organs in her abdomen, and relief from the excruciating pain was the only service available at Johns Hopkins. Only nine months from her diagnosis, Henrietta passed away on October 4, 1951. Henrietta never discovered that her surgeon had taken tissue samples for Gay's research. Would she have consented? Would she have appreciated Gay sending her cells to his colleagues? What about having her cells commercialized and sold for profit? Would she mind that strangers would profit from her cells, selling them to researchers making important medical advances while her own family is unable to pay for health care? It wasn't until 22 years after her death that Henrietta's children learned that pieces of their mother were still alive and thriving. Scientists came knocking, asking for blood samples to supply the genetic information needed to better understand HeLa. Again, no consent was obtained, and with a limited background in biology, the family misunderstood the purpose of these samples. They thought they were being tested for cancer. Marginalized by the media and the medical community, it would take decades for them to uncover the true story of what happened to their mother and to gain an understanding of what HeLa means to the world today. 
Gay and John Hopkins didn't profit off Gila directly, but the cells and related products have been sold since 1954, and today you can buy a vial of the cells for $250. The Lacks family had not received any money and they couldn't afford any health insurance. Her children received very little education and many of them have health problems. They're angry and critics have argued that at the very least, they've been marginalized and disrespected. However, it may not have been a simple journey, but the family is in the dark no more. Over the years, the family has come to learn about the use and importance of HeLa cells, and the research and medical communities have, in turn, learned to respect them. Credit, in large part, must be given to Rebecca Sklut, whose book, The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks, was the first to focus on the story of Henrietta and her family, rather than HeLa. Sklut chose to work with the family rather than use them, and help them understand all parts of the mother, from life to death to HeLa. In turn, scientists can now learn about the history of the cells they've become so familiar with in the lab and understand their significance outside of the lab. Finally, Henrietta Lacks has finally gotten some recognition. Her contributions have been commemorated by organizations like the Morehouse College of Medicine and the Smithsonian. There's Sklut's book, which HBO has optioned for a movie, and after 60 years, a headstone was finally placed at her grave. Sklut has also created the Henrietta Lacks Foundation to educate people about Lacks and to help her family and others. At last, Henrietta Lacks is finally recognized today for her important contribution to science and to medical consent. And just like her cell line, her name has become immortalized in history. All info was provided by the article, The Good, The Bad, and The Gila, published by Alexandra Del Carpio three years ago on the BerkeleySciencereview.com. Thanks.